Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, June 30th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Last episode for yet another calendar month, uh, usually a pretty significant day in the hockey world. This year, not so much. Things extended a little bit because June 30th is the day that the hockey fiscal year usually ends. Contracts uh, for management and personnel are July 1st through June 30th. Scouts, who we'll talk to in a minute, and Joachim Grunberg, and others in management usually expire on this date. But with the pandemic, obviously, the last couple of seasons have been uh, taking place at slightly different times of the year. And that uh, will be the case once again uh, this offseason. But it looks like we'll get back to a pretty normal schedule next year and get back on that hockey fiscal year. Now, in this episode... As I just mentioned, we're going to talk with Joachim Grumberg. He is the European Flyers amateur scout. We talked to him last year along with a couple of other Flyers scouts. And I've always found it fascinating discussion to talk with the scouts. And just so you know, it's pretty rare for an organization to allow these guys to speak uh, to a podcast like this, even though obviously uh, this podcast is through the team. Uh, But it's a rare thing. Usually, you know, there's a lot of guarded information to get out. And while we don't get into tremendous specifics and and those kind of things when it it, for the Flyers to tip their hand with Yoakum or Rick Pracy, who will be next week's guest, uh, who's a scout for the Flyers, and like we did last year with Nick Pryor and others. Uh, we're going to have some really interesting discussion in a very unique draft once again uh, with the Flyers European scout. Now, it's different, obviously. He's based out of Sweden, uh, covers a lot of Europe, and that's Germany, Sweden, Finland. Uh, wasn't able to travel quite as much. You'll hear him talking about that. But also, just the, you know, it's been different over there in the way they've handled the pandemic and going to games and those kind of things. He did get over here to the United States to go down to Texas for the U18s. Uh, so there's going to be uh, some interesting levels of discussion here. But before we get to to Yoakum, uh, I, I just got to bring this up again because I, I spent a good bit of time yesterday on Twitter uh, in regards to you know some potential pieces that the Flyers are rumored to be uh, trying to acquire. And obviously the big one is Seth Jones. Now, you know, there, there are other guys, I'm sure, on Chuck Fletcher's and the Flyers' radar, guys like Dougie Hamilton. And, you know, when Elliot Friedman said that Dougie Hamilton was not the Flyers' top target, some people interpret that as in they're not interested in him. Top, not their top target is the exact quote from Elliot Friedman, and not interested in him are two very different things. You can have a different top target. You can have multiple targets in an offseason because you cannot pin all your hopes on one fix to a problem that was clearly a problem this offseason. So, because it because you don't have total control here. You don't just deem, okay, I want that guy, I get that guy. There has to be an agreement first with the team to trade for a guy like Seth Jones or there has to be an agreement with the player, either Seth Jones to extend or a guy like Dougie Hamilton who is an unrestricted free agent. Or there's a, an element if Dougie Hamilton wants eight years for Carolina to sign him to the contract and then trade him to a team like the Flyers. So there's a lot of elements here. And you can have multiple targets. And they do. There's contingency plans on everything. There might be a preference of Seth Jones because, you know, when you acquire a Seth Jones in a trade, there's also pieces that you're sending the other way that have cap and salary attached to them. Plus, I get the suspicion that if, if Seth Jones is 
the target that we're hearing that he is. And again, it's silly season. Take everything with a grain of salt and consider anyone's motivation when you hear any information. When you hear information, understand that the person giving out that information to, you know, high-level insiders like Elliot Friedman or Bob McKenzie or Pierre Lebrun or whoever they are, there's an agenda to get that information out. For example, one of the things that was put out last week was that Seth Jones really doesn't want to sign an extension. He wants to get the free agency. Now, why would that get out? Why likely the agent want that out? First of all, the team doesn't want that out. Columbus doesn't want that out there because it lessens their return in a trade forum as a rental as opposed to a long-term solution. So that's number one. It's the agent who drives that. Why does he drive that? Why does that message get out? Because if it's out there that he will not sign an extension, then it's it's creating leverage. And then it's the agent saying he's not going to sign. So you have to blow his doors off to get him to even consider or look at an offer for an extension. It's a way to leverage to get more money. That's the agent's job. So you have to realize that everything you hear, a lot of it's a bunch of BS. And some blog in Columbus puts out some rumored package for uh, Seth Jones. Okay, just because some blog wrote about it doesn't mean that that's going to be the case. It may end up being close. But don't freak out. If you want to freak out after it, fine. Go ahead. I, all the power to you. But the, the thing that's irking me is that a couple of things. <laughs> Boy, I could go on for an hour here. But a couple of things. There's a lot of people that really don't watch Columbus Blue Jackets hockey. But the thing going around is that Seth Jones has had a couple of down years. And he has. And his analytics are not great. Blah, blah, blah. And then they're basing this opinion. Well, the Flyers go after him. That's stupid. Well, have you watched the guy play hockey? Analytics are a part of the equation. No doubt about it. I'm not Mr. Anti-Analytics. But analytics are not religion. Watch the game. I see people tell me, well, Warinsky didn't have as a down of year as Jones did. Well, Warinsky is a analytics darling type player like Shane Gostaspare is. Those are analytics. They drive offense. That's what they do. And while Jones isn't the greatest defender in the NHL, enough. If you sat there and you watched this Flyers team this past year and you don't think they need an upgrade on top pairing, right side, right shot defensemen, or even if you do, sometimes there's going to be risk incurred to try and get better. In today's NHL, or at least in a couple of weeks when this cup gets handed out and we officially welcome the Seattle Kraken with the expansion draft of the league, a 32-team league has got parity in spades. It's hard to win. This isn't the NHL of 22 teams without a salary cap where the Flyers could just spend, spend, spend their way to conference finals and cup appearances. It's different now. There's a salary cap. There's also 32 teams. So talent is spread more throughout the league. There's more competition for free agents. Cap space is more valuable than ever, and it takes a long time to acquire just that element of it. There's so many different elements to winning, and it's not as simple as it once was. But if you want to move yourself up into that upper echelon, there's very few guys that are going to become available in either trade or free agency that are perfect. There's going to be risk, just like there's risk with Jack Eichel, who's got this neck injury and hasn't really won anything in Buffalo. Now, it's Buffalo, okay? 
But there's risk involved there because it's going to be a big package, whoever lands them, whether it's the Flyers or any other team. Maybe it's Columbus. There's going to be a huge package going. And is there a risk? Yeah. Could he end up being a damaged player and his neck never get better? Absolutely. But you got to incur risk to be able to take that next step. And you got to be willing to give up some things. Now, there's a couple of contradictions that are driving me bananas when it comes to Flyers fans right now. Number one, well, Seth Jones has had two down years, analytically speaking, and hasn't been as good as he was in 17-18. So we can't sell the farm for him. Or we can't give up this guy, or we can't give up that guy. We can't give up Travis Sanders. We can't give up Travis Konechny. Well, didn't they just have a really bad down year? So why does it apply to the acquisition, but not with what you're sending? Because we're too close to what we're sending. And we're not close enough to what you're acquiring. And you're going based on what somebody else wrote about the acquisition. And you have an emotional connection to what you're sending. Because they're your players already. That's a contradiction. If you're going to say we, it's too much risk for Seth Jones because he's had two down years, but I'm not getting rid of a player who just had a horrific down year, where's the logic in that? Because I don't see it. I don't see the logic. To me, that's a massive contradiction. If you want to get better, incur risk. If you don't want to get better and you just want to keep building with prospects, you cannot have a team full of 23 and under players at the same time in the NHL. It doesn't work. It'll never work. Some of these prospects, picks, and young players have to be used as organizational equity to acquire players to help a team now. Because I don't want to go through another season of what I saw last year defensively from this team and then really take the next step to just destroying this goaltender in Carter Hart because he's got no structure or support in front of him. I don't want to do it. And I don't want to watch it. So I don't get that contradiction at all. At all. I don't understand it. I don't understand why people think that way. But they do. I digress. Let's get to Joachim Grunberg. Had a chance to catch up with him yesterday from his home in Sweden in advance of this NHL draft, and here's the conversation. Very happy to have joined us. We talked to him last year, and as I've mentioned many times, I love talking to the scouts because I like to hear it from the scout. I don't want to hear, oh, the scouts like, the scouts don't like, all that kind of stuff. Let's talk to the scouts, and we talk to the Flyers European scout right now. Joachim Grunberg, he joins us on Flyers Daily. How you doing, Joke? I'm good, thanks. Uh, how uh, It's been different all over the world. You've been in Europe, um, and... You know, restrictions are different all over the world. Uh, how's it been for you kind of uh, uh, performing the duties of being a scout and an amateur scout uh, in this unique circumstance that continues? I mean, we talked last year and it, it was different than it is now, but it's still not normal. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely been a different year. Uh, I mean, first of all, when when this season started in, in, in August, uh, the draft from, you know, the previous year hasn't even been, you know, completed at that point so uh early on uh you kind of had you were watching two groups uh, you were watching the group that was going to be drafted in in october and you and you also started you try to get a get a feel for the group that was he's going to get drafted uh, this summer so uh it's a little bit of a you know challenge at at the start um but i think after the the draft was over in october things were pretty normal as far as you know all the leagues was up and going at least here in sweden 
Um, I mean, you were allowed to go to junior games. Uh, travel was a little different. Like uh, it was a little harder getting around. Not as many, you know, domestic flights and trains and everything. Everything was kind of, uh, you know, not as not as frequently available uh, due to people not traveling, obviously. So, um, so so the focus was, you know, uh, junior league, uh, getting through the pro leagues, uh, and then the junior leagues shut down and in uh mid november so so after that it was kind of it was it was hard i mean you you uh still could go to some pro games and some of the top amateur players usually play at the pro level so you could kind of get through uh to watching them and then um uh, you know using video a lot uh, a lot of video um so um, it's been different and i also think like not having tournaments usually the season starts with that big uh Link a Gretzky tournament in early August when you get a chance to see the, the you know the top top European players and top North American players go head to head and that gives you a good feel for kind of the age group and gives you a start and this year we never got that opportunity obviously and then uh, same thing you have big tournaments in in November under 18 under 20 tournament uh, they were all canceled so uh, uh, yeah it's been it's been different it's been challenging uh, so. Um, yeah, and and you know, good thing was they, they were able to play that um, under eighteen in Dallas uh, in, in in April. Uh, that was huge. I think get get a chance to to at least get one tournament in where where you get to see the top top players from each country go head to head. So um, so that was that was valuable. Uh, but it's been a challenging year getting to know all the players and. Usually for myself over here, I usually, you know, travel a lot to Finland and Russia and Czech and Switzerland, Germany and, and wherever the players are. But this year I, you know, only been in, in Sweden. So um, and then you kind of try to have the same approach as trying to get to know all the all the players. And, and uh, but, you know, the, the Swedish players are the only players I've been able to get live viewings in from from over here, over here. And then everyone else is you just had to use video and but then we have uh we have sammy uh in finland so he's been able to cover the finnish players and kenny kenny in russia uh doing the same thing and Jan in in, in czech republic so uh so it's been uh, it's been a challenge that way uh, not being able to to travel and get around and and, and see players live let me ask you about Germany real quick, because a couple of uh, pretty prominent players have come out of Germany of late. Obviously, Leon Dreisaitl is probably a big hero there now for the, the way he's been performing in the NHL, and a guy like Tim Stutzla. Uh, is there a boon going on there right now with hockey? Well, they've, they've had a good stretch, definitely. I mean, uh, going back a few years, they had that uh, Dominic Bach was a first-round pick. Yeah. Um, then you had more cider, uh, and then you had like last year you had Stutzler, Reichel, and, and Paterka. So uh, uh, you probably don't have uh, you know that kind of a you know level of, of, of a prospect this year. But there's there's definitely going to be players drafted out of Germany this year again, and, and um, seeing them seeing them in Dallas, in Dallas at the end, it looks like they they might have. A couple of, of real nice prospects coming next year too. So uh, yeah, I, I think they've been turning a little bit of a, a you know corner there as far as developing players and and probably um, it's such a you know big country. Uh, it's it's uh, 
known for sports. They're they're prominent in a lot of different you know winter sports, summer sports. So uh, they definitely have the athletes and the resources and the economy there to to. Uh, so I, I think it's more like just being able to attract the the most talented and most athletic kids. Uh, a lot you know choose soccer. They they might choose uh, different sports, but but obviously some some uh, real talented players that have been chosen to, to uh, have a career in hockey. And, and it, it's nice to see for, for sure. Yeah, and when you see these guys going at the top of the draft and having success, that's just going to breed it even more and more and more. It's crazy. Uh, you know, it's, I, I find Europe fascinating because, um, you know, the countries, they each have their own kind of, for lack of a better term, curriculum on development. There's no one way to do it. You know, Hockey USA has their, their way of developing uh, their elite players. Team Canada has the same thing. And same thing in Europe. Is there, you know, a, a difference in approach that you see in these young players, whether it's a Finnish uh, prospect or a Swedish prospect or a, a Russian? And, and is it pretty pronounced at that age when, when you're kind of looking at these kids heading into a draft class and their, and their draft eligibility? Well, I, I I'd say like probably, you know, a lot of the European kids they they do maybe you know different sports up to an older age. Whereas in, you know, like Canada for example, like the competition is so hard to get to the top, and 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 they might have to specialize maybe in hockey earlier just to make all the cuts and and, and you know be there uh, either at, at at the end. Whereas maybe you know in you know Sweden or, or Finland you're allowed to do maybe different sports because the competition is not as as fierce as a young age. So uh, usually like at at the year when we draft, they might say overall the North American player is probably a little further ahead, like from strength and and uh, you know physical maturity. Uh, there's always you know exceptions, obviously, but but I think overall that I'd say that the North American player is a little further ahead uh, in that regard, just because they maybe been Hockey might have been the number one sport uh, a couple years earlier than than the Finnish player or, or the Swedish player, for example. So it seems like that number is moving lower and lower as well here in North America. You know, when kids are getting into Pee Wee, it's then you got to make a decision at Pee Wee, which is crazy to me. I mean, you're talking about 12 year olds at that point that are now going, okay, if I'm a really good player and I want to push, I got to start doing it now. So I'm in all these elite level camps. I'm in all these elite level teams and. And, and playing those other sports, to me, like obviously soccer is huge over there. And I, I think there's skills that translate, and it's good to take off skates for a while and do something else. I, I totally agree. <clears throat> Just, you know, develop your athletic ability and your, like your, your sense for the game and your feel for the game and your you know technical skills. I, I think it's just, you know, um, ideally, I, you know, I, I think do different sports as long as possible. Um, there, there comes a time and, and a point where you gotta, you know, specialize, for, of course. But uh, I think it's only a strength, only a benefit, doing different sports. It might mean that you might be a little behind when you're 17, 18, when you get drafted. But uh, you're gonna, you know, if you when you catch up, like physically, uh, strength-wise, usually you have a lot of, you know, tools uh, developed in sense developed that that. Uh, gives you an edge when you're 23, 24 years old, maybe so. Yeah, transferable uh, skill. Gretzky said it yeah. all the time. I took off my skates in March, and I didn't put them back on until September. He played no, baseball. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And I, and I also think it's a different because, like, in like Canada, for example, like, basically, there's so many kids playing hockey. So even if you 
if, even if you have that, you know, uh, like you said, the, the, you're cutting players, you're, you're, you're um, used to, you know, uh, you eliminate a lot of kids along the way, but you still have enough talent at the end of the day at the top to, to be, you know, the leading country in, 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 in the world as far as developing hockey players. But if you look at Finland, for example, or, or, or Sweden, like we don't have that many kids playing hockey and, and like, you know, we're 10 million people in Sweden. And, and um, if we would have the same system as Canada, as far as, you know, elim eliminating, you know, talent and, and, and having all these cuts at a young age, we'd never be as good as we are. I mean, one of the, I think the strength with Swedish and the Finnish systems is that we allow kids to a little longer, at least develop at their own pace and, and you know, try different sports and, and uh, not being, you know, eliminated just because you're behind your, your peers as far as, you know, in height or weight that when you're 10 or 12 years old. So, um, well, I think it's it, but I, in saying that too, like it, there's, it's, it's always a challenge over here too, because teams tend to want to, you know, specialize and, and uh, at a younger and younger age. And, and I think the Federation is doing what they can to, to, um, to keep it like right now, it's probably, uh, you know, 15, 16, that's usually when you got to make the decision. Uh, I think there's too many kids though, that make that decision at too young, like too early. Um, and sometimes it's pressure from, from the teams that they're with or the coaches or, you know, they think they have to specialize because they feel like they're behind other other kids. But uh, just being, you know, realizing everyone develops at their own pace and there's no rush. There's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's, it's about, you know, being, being as good as possible when you're 25, not, you know, 17 or 18 and position yourself for a, for the draft or, or something like that. So, yeah, that's so well said. You're so right. And, but you know, it, a lot of times it's the parents too. <laughs> it, it is. It, yeah. It's a, it's a, you're definitely right with that. Um, let, let me ask you about the skating that comes out of Europe because it's different. Uh, North American skaters uh, for the most part skate differently. There's always been, I've always looked at Swedish players and Finnish players as more graceful hockey players. Uh, would you agree with that? Uh, maybe I'm a little biased. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but it's yeah, prettier, maybe. <laughs> yeah. for lack of a better yeah, term. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, and maybe, that, maybe, that's, maybe that's part of – maybe the answer to that question is part of what we just talked about. Doing yeah, I think sports. it is. Maybe, uh, yeah, it, it, it could be. It could be uh, for sure. No. Um, when you look at this this draft coming up, uh, where do you see the strengths kind of in the top of the draft, that first round? Uh, you know, the Flyers are slated to pick 13th. They were 14th, but moving up uh, one spot because Arizona has to forfeit their pick. Uh, when you look at this draft kind of in that top half of the first round, where's the strengths and what can you know you accomplish at 13? I mean, to me, you can get a really good hockey player at that point. It's happened. It happens a lot. And just because you're not in the top five doesn't mean – uh, there's a, there's a drop off, of course, at every draft. But at 13, there's a lot of good hockey players available. Yeah, no, no, I I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I think we're going to get a good player, and and it's just it, it, this year it's a little harder. Like it's always hard knowing you know what our teams are going to do, and 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 but it, and I think it's even harder this year because just the lack of coverage and and uh, um, some of the players that are expected to go in that you know, group is, they haven't played a lot of hockey. Some have only played, you know, tournament at the end in Dallas, for example, and some other kids been playing a full year of hockey. So 
So um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, if, if you look at the, the group, like the top 15 names, it's a good group. Uh, there's obviously, like you said, a drop off. We might have like a, a top group and then you have a group in the middle and then you have a group at the bottom of that top 15. And, and you just hope that you get a get a name at 13 that we have, you know, rated as high as possible. Obviously. Uh, the other part of this, too, is going to be you, you don't know, maybe you never know, but you have a, thought, a feel how things are going to play out this year with, you know, you just talked about. Uh, there could be so many variables and teams kind of going off off the board and, and off your board, per se. So there's a lot of different variables here. And, and having that 13th pick, he can pop up a little bit. If you see a kid, you go, oh, my God, I cannot believe this kid is available. Or you can go, hey, there's somebody, a couple, three players sliding here. We move back a couple picks. We're going to get one of these guys. Uh, that That's another part of the equation, isn't it? It is for sure. And, and I mean, we... Uh... You know, we didn't did a little bit of that in the past like moving back and still getting the guy that we would have picked uh and then you know in, in on top of that you also get maybe another pick somewhere so you get two cracks at at, at you know get an extra crack at a player too so so definitely that's going to be uh something that's always an option uh depending on everything falls so uh just trying to prepare to to you know as you pick at 13 and then whatever you know can happen uh just try to be prepared for every different scenario, but use the fact that being able to move back, get more picks and still getting the same guy that you were still, you know, willing to pick at that first point. That's, that's definitely a good, uh, good way of, of uh, doing things. And, and that's, yeah, well, we'll see how everything falls. We'll, we'll see. And, and again, it's going to be interesting when every start, things start heat up, uh, you get closer and closer to the draft and, we're having some meetings uh, as we speak this week and previous weeks, and and um, yeah, it'll be it'll be intense. And the, the, the you know the last week before the draft, plan is getting together in Philly, and and you know really getting down to it. So looking forward to that. Yeah, you guys really drilled down on it. You know, it's interesting. You just mentioned that you know you something you move back, you get your player uh, back in 2019. Of course, you guys move back, you end up get taking Cam York, and everybody sees that you passed on Cole Caulfield twice, and they're seeing what he's doing in these playoffs and. They're freaking out. Oh, well, the guy didn't take Cole Caulfield. And, <laughs> and I'm telling the people, calm down. you got to see how this plays out. This takes time. You cannot evaluate Cole Caulfield uh, being the right pick over Cam York in 10 games and just two for Cam. Uh, and, yeah, he won the Hobie Baker. Great. And he's having some success. That's great, too. Uh, let me ask you this. H- has things changed in, in, in your time here over the last couple of years or whatever it might be to, to kind of value players that play both ends of the ice really well because you have you do a specialist and I'm not just referring to Cole Caulfield as a, as a pure goal scorer but I'm just in general you know a player that has offensive upside too but also he can be responsible at all ends of the ice and, and defend because I think defending is becoming more and more important because you know Yoke the, hockey's simple it's a cumulative sport Preventing goals is just as important as scoring, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> if the scoreboard just adds them up. So, um, you know, is there more value in, in the 200-foot player now maybe more than ever? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And, you know, if you defend well, if, if you play a good, you know, two-way game, 200-foot game, usually it means that you have the puck a little bit more than your opponent and you have the puck yep. a little bit more than opponents gives you an opportunity to score more than them too. So it kind of goes hand in hand. And I, and I think our group's been uh, – 
kind of valuing even when I got you know started seven eight years ago and and a lot of the guys same you know people are on the staff and then it's always been you know uh, kind of a thing that's been highly valued within you know the flyer scouting group is having that two good two-way player uh, guys that play the game the right way and and uh, sometimes you you have to shave off a little bit of you know, maybe scoring upside creativity to get that guy that that can play both sides of the puck and, and uh, be used in every situations. And, and uh, then you need, obviously you need that dynamic, the, those dynamic scores. And, and like you said, defending has been such an important part of the game and teams are so good at defending and the goalies are so good. So uh, you need guys that can break games open that, that can break down the defensive structure, uh, uh, the opponent's uh, defensive structure and, and create scoring chances. So, um, so it's always a combination, uh, and, and you know sometimes you get those players that are those great two-way players that also have that high-end skill. But usually, if, if you need, if you want to get those players, you usually have to pick uh, pick very, very high. So uh, yeah. not a lot of them. Uh, let me ask you this because this is something I've talked about here on the podcast quite a bit lately because I, I find it fascinating with Montreal being in the final. You know, they were the 18th ranked team in the NHL. They're in the final. They've earned their way there. I mean, it's stunning the way they've played. And it hasn't been just Carey Price stealing games. Um, it's been a great team effort, structure, and all of those things, and big on the blue line. You know, and I, I've talked about roster building. And you can build a roster that's a wagon in the regular season, outscores teams 6-3, to three, and you win a lot of games, and, and that's great. But then you get to the playoffs, and you don't have success because – the roster you need to win in the playoffs is different than the roster you need to have success in a player in a regular season, because every inch of the ice is battled for in the playoffs, and in the in a regular season it's obviously you know a lot less coached, comparatively speaking, and there's a little bit more wide open play. Uh, so, do you guys kind of look at that when you go, okay, this guy's going to be a good regular season player, but will come playoff time in that grind of round after round to have success. This is a kid that can handle it both in here in his head, his heart, and his motor, but also in his body type. Yeah, no, definitely those discussions are are uh, are you know being held. Uh, there are for sure, and then and I think a lot of times you could. I think some some kids you it's pretty obvious at this young age, I mean, they're 17, 18 years old, and you could you could tell that these kids are those type of players that, you know, they can, you know, help you in the playoffs and, and all these situations. They're winners, right? Yeah, exactly. They have a history of it, and they, they approach the game that way, and they, they, they play like that. And, and uh, but then, I mean, a lot of these kids too, that they're so, they're so young, um, they, they might not even, you know, kind of just scratching the surface of what they can become down the road. So um, I, I think it's dangerous a lot of times saying that a 17-year-old kid, he can't be that guy, even though he might not have, not have shown it so far. Uh, but, you know, no, nothing, that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't be that guy when he's 22 or 23. And, you know, yeah. just maturity, uh, getting in the right environment, uh, getting in a good culture, uh, having good leadership, um, all those things. So, um, so, uh, but it's, it's a good point. Uh, it, it's being discussed for sure. And we all, I mean, the, the ultimate goal is, is building that, you know, roster that, that can, can win the Stanley cup. And, 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 um, so it's definitely something that's been discussed and, and it's just a lot of times hard making those calls 
uh, with these players that are this young. Yeah, it's almost unfair in a way because you're right. They're not fully developed uh, as as people at that point. What you are at 17 doesn't mean that's what you're going to be at 22, 25. Uh, last thing for you, let me ask you because I, I look at the there was a study done on uh, the teams that have been in the Final Four of the playoffs over the last decade, and they all had one thing in common. They all had a big blue line. They had the average height was six two uh, of the top four teams over the last decade. Uh, an average weight of 219 pounds. That's what it takes to, to win rounds in the playoffs. But we've seen the defense position change so much with, you know, joining the rush. And you got to be, if you're going to be big, you still got to be able to move. Uh, and you see these finals, you see that defense for Montreal, you see it with, uh, you know, Tampa rolls out there. We saw it with Vegas and Petrangelo and, and their decor uh, to have success in the playoffs. You got to have that size back there. Uh, is that something that you guys talk about as well it, with, you know, with defense where, hey, a big body, but this, this player's also got to be able to move, stretch the ice, jump in the play? Yeah, I know f- for sure. I mean, that's the direction that, that, you know, development of that position being going for a while, and it's probably not going to probably not going to stop. Uh, and and I, I think, like, like you said, like uh, a lot of times the focus is, you know, they are they're got a big blue line, yes, but they, like you said, they can all skate and can all, all play with the puck too. So uh, that's definitely, definitely, uh, I think necessarily it doesn't, I mean, you can't, just because you're big, uh, competitive and, and tough or hard to play against, that's not enough. You still got to be able to move and make decisions and make plays with the puck and, and you know, get your, get your, team out of your own end with you know in possession and, and things like that so um yeah no it's gonna be it, it'll be interesting to see and and um it's definitely been the trend like maybe bigger bigger blue line and then you can you can have some smaller forwards um yeah. seems to be a, like the balance right now so uh but you never know like uh all it takes usually it's some you know another team wins with a different balance a different combination and then yep. Then all of a sudden that becomes the trend. So we'll, we'll see where things are going. But right now I, I definitely agree with you that that's the way it looks like. Other than players like McDavid and Crosby and Ovechkin, I feel like the def- a, de- a great defenseman can control a game more than, than a forward can right now. Like I look at Victor Hedman and I say, is he the, the most dynamic player in the NHL? No, it's Connor McDavid, right? I mean, just look at the numbers. They're, they're absurd. But, con- uh, but, but a guy like Victor Hedman to me may be the best hockey player in the world right now because of how much impact he has on the game and how many minutes he plays and, and what he's able to do and in his own zone and offensively. I mean, it's, it's astounding to me. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, I think that's a good point. Uh, like you said too, and usually he's on the ice for, you know, half the game too. Yeah. Uh, plays every situation and, and having an impact defensive zone uh, offensive zone and transition and going back for pucks and just you know um pushing the play uh in 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 the right direction so uh no those those uh, those you know studs at, at the blue line are you know a huge part of building a, a winning team and and uh usually teams that win they have one of those guys so when when he was coming up in his draft years it- you know, when you looked at a player like him, what would you see with a guy like Victor Hedman? Well, like that was that was actually before I uh, I got into uh, scouting with the Flyers. Yeah, he's so an 09 really, pick, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, my first draft was the, I started like 2013, so uh, uh, so that he's was probably he's probably a bar for I mean, great Swedish player. 
It, it, he is for sure. And I, I think just that, you know, that physical like the attributes being that big and being able to move that way and, and uh, exactly. And, and also having that, you know, determination to becoming, you know, being the best player in the world and, and how hard he pushes himself off the ice every summer trying to get better. And uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of players, I think they push themselves to become good players and they're kind of happy with that. They, don't necessarily wants to become the great players, but he's definitely showed that 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 he wants to be the best one in the world and the best defenseman in the world, and and um, yeah, it's been impressive to 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 follow him. Yeah, the one thing that a defenseman like that can do too is they can just go out and give you a really quiet shift and calm a game down too. Like, it doesn't have to be about offense. It doesn't have to be about defending. It just be hey, we just need a really quiet shift here to just chill the game out and he does that so well something that matt niskanen did as well um yoko i, I appreciate your time as always man I, I when are you heading over uh the plan is i i'm looking into travel now the, the plan is uh leaving on uh, july 18th uh get there on sunday evening and then uh meeting starts monday morning uh the week of the draft so that's that's the plan i'm looking forward to it you, you looking forward to getting the biorhythm back of uh normal you know the draft is not, it's supposed to be happening now, but, you know, things getting back on that normal schedule of an NHL, uh, you know, kind of the way it's broken down? Yes, no, definitely. And it's going to be a quick turnaround this year because you uh, get home from the draft, get back to Sweden on the 25th, and then... You guys you are know, starting like boom. <laughs> yes, I mean, the Sweden, the, the, the Swedes will have, like, their uh, camp before the the Linka tournament that week. So we'll be going basically straight to the Sweden's uh, Sweden's under 18 camp. And then uh, on Monday, August 2nd, so that'd be the, you know, basically one week after the draft, the Linka Gretzky cup is played in, in, in Slovakia and Czech. So, and then we're, then we're going again, then, then we have the next group to evaluate. So it's, it's, it's a quick turnaround for sure, but I'll hopefully, you know, next, year I, I just saw they announced the draft to be in montreal the way it's supposed to be last year and then hopefully we get on like a normal season next year and and uh and and yeah next summer we'll have the draft that usually the, the same uh schedule uh end of june and and uh yeah, looking forward to that for sure yeah well get grab a quick holiday in there a couple long weekend or something and uh you're right back at it for the Holinka cup and uh it'll be fascinating once again uh, i appreciate your time as always stay safe stay well uh and good luck with your travels and uh, we'll talk soon thank you appreciate it take care bye thanks to Joachim grumberg for joining us on this episode of flyers daily i always enjoy talking to scouts and i love talking to him uh he's a great guy great scout and uh, I appreciate his time as always. Everybody, thanks for bearing with me. A little bit of a rant in the beginning of this episode, but that's okay. Uh, look, we're passionate about this team. We're pa- this is good. These debates, these back and forth, they're good. You know why? Because we care. We care. There's a, the notion of apathy setting in. And sometimes it feels like there is. I get it. And it's been hard. And it's been frustrating. And it's been up and down every other year promise and then under delivering and then promise again and then not delivering we're like yo-yos and a toilet seat going up and down in the last decade but these conversations are good it's going to be a fascinating offseason we'll talk to you on friday's flyers daily